been a great day in the house of the Lord today. Thank you, church, for uh, being a missional church, being a church that's on the move and a church that's ready to touch hearts and lives and uh, help transform people for his kingdom and his glory. It's amazing uh, what God is up to and what God wants to do. Uh, Pastor Ralph was praying, and these guys, some of them walk 12 hours to get there. And uh, man, it was nothing to sit there for three or four hours because you just taught them the word. I know you for that long, but somehow I pulled it out. <laughs> the most amazing part of that, though, was at least an hour each day we would just let them ask questions, and uh, man, they were so overwhelmed and uh, just about what the Spirit of God was doing, and uh, you know, God, God's using us to make a difference, and so I want to encourage you not to grow weary in well-doing. Guys, uh, we'll, we're going to reap some harvest as we sow these seeds for the kingdom. If you have your Bible, <clears throat> if you'll take it and find one of the easiest books there is to find, it's the book of Genesis. <laughs> Go to your leather and turn right, just a few pages, and you'll be there. Genesis chapter 17. Last week, Pastor Matt <clears throat> continued preaching in kind of a series um, of not settling for good, not being content with just what you think is the best, because what we think is the best isn't what God thinks. God looks through a completely different set of lenses, and many times we give up, and we do grow weary in well-doing and we do think man this is pretty good I think I could stay here a while and the Old Testament is full of examples like that a couple of weeks ago we talked about how the children of Israel right after they left Egypt <coughs> had traveled for <coughs> three days and they had found no water and then when they finally did find some water it was too bitter to drink but God showed Moses a tree and he threw the tree into the water, and the bitter waters became sweet. And, and, boy, that was a good spot, don't you think? I mean, that was good stuff. I mean, I think it would be. I mean, that's before any kind of man ever came up with a water filtration system. God did it. Took a piece of wood and threw it in a lake of a body of water and sucked all the bitterness out of it. Made it sweet. Man, I, I'm going to tell you, that, that would have been a good spot to hang around. I mean, everybody likes to live on waterfront property. A good spot to settle. Well, we looked at how they pressed on, <clears throat> and they made it to Elam, where there was 70 palm trees, one for each elder, and there was 12 springs, one for each family, tribe of Israel. That's pretty good stuff. They could have settled there. It would have been a good place to settle. But they kept pushing on till they got to the place called Mount Moriah, Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, where they met with God and they received the commandments. I mean, but you know what? If we're not careful, they could have stayed there. But that wasn't where God wanted them to stay. He had a land that he had given them. 
And my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to have what God wants for you to have. And I want you not to settle on just being content and just being happy and just getting by, but that you get what God wants, what God wants for you, and that God can begin to work and rule and reign in your life. You know, we think we have to have so much more to be happy. But guys, I want you to know that less is more. Less is more a lot of times in what God's doing in our hearts and lives. And last week, y'all looked at the sermon dealing with the rich young ruler who had all kind of things, but there was still a hole in his heart. And he still wanted more. And he wanted to go to heaven. And, you know, he asked Jesus, what must I do? And Jesus said, keep all the commandments. And he said, I've done those since I was a boy. Broke one right there. <laughs> you can figure out which one. And Jesus said, okay, if you've kept all of them, then take all you have and give it to the poor and take up your cross and follow me. The Bible says he went away sad because he had much possessions. See, God always tests us. God's always working and ruling. In our, God's wanting to get us to a point where he doesn't have to show us, where he doesn't have to show us what's between, like tell us, this is between me and you, but he wants to get us to a point where we see it for ourselves. Where we see it for ourselves and begin to remove that so that we can go on in our walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A lot of times we can't see it clearly, and God wants us to be able to see it clearly. And so, if you have your Bible in Genesis 17, <clears throat> when God has a plan for your life, and <clears throat> you know he does, he had a plan before you ever was. He had a plan, and because he had a plan, you came along. I don't care what your, your past may be. I don't care what trails you may have, tried, have, have traveled down, have trotted. But I want you to know God has a plan for you. If you are walking and you are moving, God has a plan. You may have caught your parents by surprise. But you didn't catch God by one. And because God had a plan, he, had, he brought you about. And so what I want you to know is that as you live, may be living life at, from times to to time haphazardly <clears throat> just skipping around living random thinking about well this sounds good I think I'll do it and just you know not having a word what I want to encourage you to do is get a word and say God what is my reason for being here why did you created me because my brothers and sisters in Christ what I want you to know is that if you are not doing what you are designed for you are not a happy individual but if you're doing what you are designed for you are one of the happiest individuals in the whole wide world amen I bet you we could stand up right now and give testimony around this room from people who was trying to do something, trying to resist what God wanted for their life, and, and said, I want, and, and going to go a different direction. 
and they had to get to a point where they got where they got to the place where they were doing what they were created for. When they got to the place where they were doing what they were created for, they were a whole new person. And God has to start the process. And in Genesis, we see some interesting things happening. I tell you what, let's look at a different chapter. Let's look at chapter 22. chapter 22 and verse 1 says after these things God tested Abraham now what just happened what was this after well there was uh, he, he had just sent away Hagar and Ishmael there was great contention in the camp now that the new boy came along and they had just put them out they had just gone away And in chapter 22 and verse 1, it says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, Here I am, he answered. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains I will tell you about. Interesting. Turn back to chapter 17 and verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him, saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be devout. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell to the ground, and God spoke with him. As for my covenant is with you, Abram, and you will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, but it will be Abraham. For I'll make you the father of many nations. I'll make you extremely fruitful and will make you nations and kings will come to you. I, God, will keep my covenant between me and you and your offsprings after throughout their generation as an everlasting covenant. Now skip with me, if you would, down to verse 15. God said to Abraham, As for your wife Sarah, do not call her Sarai anymore, but Sarah. It will be her name, because I will bless her indeed, and I'll give you a son by her. Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a ninety-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael could live in your presence. Would you underline that phrase in your Bible? If only Ishmael could live in your presence. Now, where did Ishmael come from? Well, if you go back a couple of chapters, God made a covenant with Abraham. He visited Abram and Sarai and said, you're going to have a child. And, and they laughed about it. And so anyway, they, Sarah began to think about that and said, well, you know, you know, Abram, I'm, I, at that time she was about 80 years of age and uh, uh, Abraham was 87. She was probably 78, and said, "You know, you know, God, God, God can do a lot of things, but I believe He needs a little help on this one." Amen. Have you ever been there, Lord? I know you can do a lot of things. Probably you need a little help on this one. In case you didn't know it, God, I'm an old lady, and my husband's older than me. I've never had a child. My womb was dead when I was young, and it's still double dead now. 
And so she told Abram, he said, you need to take <coughs> Hagar, <coughs> my handmaiden, and have a child with her so we can help God out. Abram, uh, um, in the Old Testament, was a custom that many of them had more than one wife. And so he took Hagar, a young lady, and uh, said, okay, had a child with her. Immediately when she began to see Hagar and Ishmael and Abram, she began to despise uh, Hagar. And so they had this son, Ishmael. Now at this time, it 13 years have passed. <clears throat> 13 years have passed, and God comes to Abram and he says, Hey, you remember 13 years ago when you and I made a covenant? I'm back here today to keep it. And so God tells him what he wants to do. And Abraham says, oh, oh, God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you forever. Might live before you forever. You see, what we see here in this passage of Scripture is a couple of things that's very interesting. And what we see is that we see, number one, Sarah's product. Where did Ishmael come from? From Sarah. I don't believe that Abram would have ever went and and had uh, relations with, with Hagar, had a child with her, had Sarah not prompted. And we see the product right here in this situation. It was Ishmael, and it just seemed like the right thing to do. I mean, have you ever been there? I know I have. God, I need to help you out. And it just seemed like the right thing to do. And then I come to find out, not only was it not the right thing, it was really the wrong thing. And so there was this product that came about, and now all of a sudden, God says, Abram, you know that covenant? Because, see, up to this point, it was just the lad. It was just the one son. And so God said earlier in Genesis 15 that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you, your descendants like the stars of the sky, the sand of the, seashore, of the seashore. You shall not be able to count your descendants. And so, you know, Abram's thinking, okay, God, I'm glad you come back 13 years later because this thing's not moving along too quickly, you know. Lord, I'm 99 now, and, you know, if I'm going to have as many kids as the stars in the sky, you, yeah, you're going to do something. And so God says, hey, I'm going to keep that covenant I made with you. And Abraham said, that's a good idea. How about Ishmael? And I love what the next verse says. <coughs> 19. But God. That's probably one of the most powerful two, two words in the Bible. It's used over and over. But God. When you see that phrase, but God, it's fixing to get really interesting. <clears throat> but God said, no. Whew. God ever told you no? Don't you hate it? Why do you hate it? Because he's saying no to your plan. And you think your God, God's being mean to you. Come on, guys, you remember when you were a kid and your parents told you no and you thought they were just being mean to you. And after you got a little older and you realized that you didn't know everything and they do know a little bit something, you realize that one of the decisions they made when they told you no was a pretty good decision. Am I the only one ever been there and done that? Amen. So as we think about this, we see, but God said no. No, that's not what we're going to do. That was not my plan. My plan never involved Hagar. 
God said, I told you that you and Sarah were going to have a baby. And so he comes back 13 years later and wants to reclaim the promise that he made him. God said, your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son. And you will name him Isaac. Interesting note, and I'm sure you know this. Do you know what Isaac means? Laughter. And so every time they called out the name Isaac, they would remember the day that Abram laughed at God and Sarah laughed at God when he came up with a God-sized plan. Guys, is there really any fun in a plan that you can fulfill? You know, it's amazing every time we take a mission trip. Somewhere on the trip, we'll begin to talk to somebody. We were boarding a plane yesterday and talking to these guys from Nebraska and he was asking us about our church and our ministries we were doing, and he turned around and said, Whoo, mercy, you must go to a big church. I said, we do. There's about 120 of us. He said, man, how do y'all do all that? But God. <laughs> but God. It's God-sized. It's God-sized vision. That means God gets to take control of it. God gets to make it happy. God gets to fulfill it. And so here's what he says. No, he says, I'm going to bear you a son with Sarah. You'll name him Isaac, which will remind you of when you laughed, <coughs> laughed at me. I will confirm my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant. <coughs> For his offspring after him. Verse 20. Just so you know, God's not all that mean to you. As for Ishmael, I heard you, Abram. I'll certainly bless him. I'll make him fruitful. I'll multiply him greatly. And he will father 12 tribal leaders. I'll make him into a great nation. We know God did exactly that. We're dealing with it today. Amen? <clears throat> great nation. 21 but as for my covenant it's gonna be with isaac it's gonna be with something i did abram not what you did now i'm gonna tell you what we have to be careful of and i've been guilty of this for probably 12 13 years in the ministry is that we sit around and we come up with a good idea and it looks like it'll work and then after we get a good idea and we get a good plan to fulfill the good idea, then we go to God and we say, hey, God, we got this really good idea here. Why don't you come along beside it and bless it? Bless it. Amen? And you know what ends up happening? You spend a lot of energy. We spend a lot of energy because I've been there. We spend a lot of resources. I've done that. And we get a T-shirt. It says failure written across the front of it. Now, it doesn't mean nobody showed up. It doesn't mean that you didn't have a good time. It doesn't mean that you weren't busy. But what it means is the kingdom wasn't expanded because of it. And we're as guilty as anybody, especially in America, about coming up with something and saying, God, I want you to bless this. And God says, no, here's what I want you to have over here. And you say, but no, Lord, I already got all my money tied up in this. God says, son, I don't care about your few pennies. I want you over here. And then you're in a dilemma, and you're like, well, do I stay with what I'm already vested in, 
Or do I really walk out on faith and look absolutely crazy and hook up with what God's doing? And the reason that America is in the condition it is in is because so many born-again, blood-bought, sanctified, sealed with the Holy Spirit believers are over here too busy doing their work and not God's work. Amen. And so as we think about that, that's what was happening with Abram. But Lord, there's no need to bring another son in. I got Ishmael. God says, God said, that's your son. That's your boy. I'm here to keep good on the promise that I made with you. I'm going to show you that I'm a covenant-keeping God. Now, I tell you what I really don't like about this scripture. It was, is it was 13 years later. Anybody with me on that train? 13 years. I mean, if, we, if it don't happen in 13 days, we done checked out. I said, Lord, you, well, Lord must not want me to do that. It didn't happen. Amen. I know it hurts, but you need it. <laughs> it's true. 13 years, and he's like, wait on the promise, wait on the promise, wait on the promise. And they couldn't wait on the promise, so they concocted a plan and had a good thing. They had a good thing with Ishmael. But it wasn't a God thing. And then God comes back on the scene, and he says, hey, hey, man, he says, I'm here to keep your covenant. Well, look at this good thing I got here, Lord. I'm going to tell you, good is not good enough. There's no victory in good. Our goodness and our righteousness is like filthy rags to the Lord. You've got to get over here on the God thing. And so, man, in this passage of Scripture, it's interesting because it continues to unfold. And we see that, that, that God says, man, look, I'm going to keep this covenant with him. And then go with me, if you would, in verse 23. Then Abram took one of the sons, took his son Ishmael, and all the slaves born in his family that he had purchased with his money, every male among the members of Abraham's household, and he circumcised them all. Abraham was 99 years old when this happened. Ishmael was 13. Why did he do that? Because God told him to. And so that's what's going to set you apart from the rest of the nations. You're going to be different. Guys, God wants us to be different. He doesn't want us to look at the world and be just like the world. Not long ago, we were having a, uh, a meeting with a bunch of our college students. We were talking to them about collegiate ministry and what we can do. And I'll never forget one of the young people said, you know what? We don't want all the glitz and the glamour. We don't want all the bells and the whistles. We just want God. We want the real thing. We want the power of God. We want the anointing of God. And church, that's what we need. Everything else is phony. It's not sufficient. It doesn't mean that you won't be warmed and be filled and feel fuzzy all on the outside. But it means that you won't be about the kingdom's business. And I'm going to tell you, I believe God's been speaking to some of you. And he's been calling some of you to a higher level of commitment. And you're struggling with it. You're struggling with it. I know I'm not the only one. God's been calling me to a higher level of commitment. God's been asking me to do other stuff. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm struggling with it. But I'm going to tell you, the struggle can't be so great that you let the struggle overtake you and you stay choked out by the struggle. 
You've got to overcome it. You've got to be like Jacob. You remember when he went back to Bethel and there he wrestled with God, the Bible says. But he grabbed hold of the angel of the Lord. He said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. He wrestled with the Lord all night. The Bible says that he walked with a limp the rest of his life. When you get to where God is, it's going to change your life. It'll change the way you walk. You'll walk a different direction. You'll live a different lifestyle. You'll go a different pathway. But you can get to the God thing. You can get to the place of the anointing. You can get to the place of the power. You can get to the place where it's not good, but it's God. It's not, it's not just ordinary, but it is extraordinary because it's where God brought you to. Sarah had a product. Abraham had a plan well the plan was we're going to take our product and transfer our product into god's plan but can i tell you that nothing fits into god's plan that has been created by man because god doesn't need our junk he needs our availability sarah had this product abraham had this plan but god had the provision he said no the provision is Isaac. And then we read in Genesis 22, you know the story. Abraham was called to be tested by the product, the provision of God. It doesn't mean God's going to destroy and annihilate everything in your path. But what it means is God wants to bring the best thing into you. What are you telling? Ask, I, I know about Ishmael. You think I don't know about Ishmael? I know about Ishmael. And I'm going to bless Ishmael. I'm going to make Ishmael as, as, as multiple as Isaac. But Ishmael's not going to have the covenant. Because my covenant is not with something made by man, created by man but it's something ordained by God. God's ordained you for a higher purpose. Are you an athlete? What a blessing. But there's a higher purpose for your life than playing sports. Are you an entrepreneur? Do you own your own business? Wonderful. Praise the Lord. But there's a higher purpose and calling on your life than owning your own business. No matter where you fall in the, the, the scope of things, what you, listen to me, church, what you do is not who you are. And we have that hijacked as Americans. Ask most people, who are you? You know, what makes you up? And they'll tell you what they do. Who am I? I'm a banker. <clears throat> who am I? I'm a machinist. Who am I? I'm a supervisor. Who am I? I'm an athlete. No, but that's not who you are. That's what you do. Who you are is what God has set you aside to be. 
And my brothers and sisters in Christ, on the authority of the word of God, he's got a plan for you. Jeremiah 1 says, before you were, I knew you. And when you were in your mother's womb, I ordained you, and I set you aside for an intended purpose. And for Jeremiah, it was to be a prophet. And for all of our Calvinistic brothers, Jeremiah was predestined to preach and predestined to... I mean, he... God said, they're not going to listen. You go and preach. Broke Jeremiah. He wrote a about it called about See what made Jeremiah great was not his people to his failure to it was the man of God. Get ready to say it, say it. You know what happened? In his 70th year rolled around, God raised up a pagan king named Cyrus who told the children of Israel, you can go back and build a temple to worship me. You worship your God in your homeland. 42,360 of them got up and went back to Jerusalem in his 70th year. I mean, Moses preached for 120 years. Didn't have but eight converts to show for him. Well, he wouldn't do very well well with a pulpit committee, would he? I want to ask you something. What's God telling you to do? What's God telling you to do? I just believe, folks, that he's been speaking to some of you. I, I know you've been struggling with it. I've been struggling. I've been struggling with what God's been telling me. But here's what I promise you. That if you'll just let go, and you'll just trust Jesus, I promise you, He will not fail. He will not fail. Your life will be so much the better for it. <clears throat> I've been pastoring for 16 years. And I'm going to be honest with you. God's done more with my life in 16 years than I could have in 50. we got to be the kind of church pushes one another to never settle. To never settle for the when I was a young man coming about 18 years old 
was forced to kind of retire and take care of my grandmother. And I was so frustrated because I was 17 years old and I couldn't, like he had all this land and that he had tied up, leased out, and all this equipment. And I couldn't I couldn't buy it because I was only 17 years old. And so, matter of fact, we even talked about the process of emancipation, emancipating me to look at doing it. It just got, began to be very complicated. And so anyway, that happened, and that chapter of our life closed, and I graduated and uh, went to try my hand in college and that that didn't work too well um, there's just not a big demand for a, uh, a bachelor's in girlology <laughs> and uh, so it didn't help in my studies a whole lot uh, I was pretty good at playing pool and hanging out in the student center and so I quit and I said if I could just farm that's all I want to do and uh, so I began to try and I developed a plan strategy. I was going to work that plan and that strategy to get to where I wanted to be. And I was on a good pathway. But I was also running from God. I mean, I, everywhere I went, he was saying, son, I want you to, I want you to preach. I want you to preach the word. I want you to be a pastor. And I kept saying, Lord, that's not what I want to do. Lord, here's my plan. Look, I, I got it mapped out. I feel like I'm a good leader, Lord. I got a, I got a five-year plan, ten-year plan. <clears throat> and the short version of that is, you can keep running, but you can't outrun him. He don't ever get tired. When you get to where you're going, he's already been there, and he's, he's been there forever. And he's there waiting. And so finally, I came to a point in my life. I was driving home from Baton Rouge, and I just began to weep. And uh, the Lord said, Son, how long are you going to run from me? And I said, Lord, I'm tired. I'm tired of running. I didn't even drive home. I drove straight to the church, found the preacher. I said, I can't do this. I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Brad, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, you'd be better off to sell that nice truck you got, to sell all that equipment you have, all that stuff you have, and get in the center of the will of God and drive an old clunker and not have all the stuff you have in the world and be where God wants you to be. And have all this stuff and be running from it. It's the best advice I ever received. And you know what, church? He was right. He was right. He was right. And I killed that dream that day. And said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But I'm going to tell you today. God's in the process of resurrecting you. 
I've never missed it one minute. It doesn't mean I'm not driving down the road sometimes and I see a guy out there on a tractor or a combine that I really just don't want to pull over and go tell him, could you just get down for a while and let me drive that thing? But I tell you what it does mean. Is that I feel like I'm right where God wants me to be. And there's no better place for you to be than where God wants church you can live in a palace but if God's not dwelling with you there it's a dungeon it's a dungeon but you can live in a dungeon and if God's in there with you it's just like a palace it's just like a palace I don't know this is church family Maybe today you've been like me. You keep putting your plan up to God, saying, Lord, here it is. Can I get you to stamp off on it? Can I get you to sign off on this, Lord? It's a good plan, Lord. Got a five-year plan. Got a ten-year plan. Lord, already got financing available for it. Got it all. Lord, I got it all. Maybe today you just need to lay that plan on the altar and say, Lord, Lord, not my will, but God, I want to live in your will. I head bowed this morning for some of you <clears throat> the Lord's been dealing with you about salvation the thing you can't get away from is him, him speaking to you about giving your heart to him you've been running from it for a long time Today, you are just throw your hands up there and say, Lord, I give you my heart. With your head bowed this morning. If you're like I was, and even like I am today in a lot of situations, and you're just struggling, you feel God's calling you to do something. It's not in your plan. It's not what you want. That he's wanting to do something different. With every head bowed. If that's you, I just want you to slip out where you're at down here to this altar. I want to pray for you today. Man, you know what you're doing. You're miserable doing it. Because you're not doing what you were designed for. Maybe you're a college student. You've been putting your studies up to God constantly. Saying, Lord, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. But you know God's been speaking to you differently. If that's you, I just want you to make your way to this altar. I want to pray with you today. Because there's a battle raging in your life. And it's you can either have what's good or you can have what's best. And I want to pray that you won't be like a rich young man. live very sad if that's you would you just slip out and come down here I know that's a big commitment you can pastor everybody's going to see me they're going to know I'm struggling with something guys who cares really I mean really do you if you're struggling that much with it you need to get on down here just come make your way down here if that's you 
I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for you today. You're struggling with what God wants you to do. Thank you for your obedience. Somebody else? You're just struggling. If you're not coming down here, just, just bow your head.